Hi friends, Logan here with the Better Events Podcast, and this week's episode is all about the client experience. We've teased a little bit about what we do with proposals and how we book clients, but this episode kind of dovetails nicely into that to talk about what we do when we have clients booked, how we kick off their experience, who we involve in meetings, expectations, and much, much more. If you are someone who owns your own business, or maybe you're a freelancer, or maybe you're a client and you want to see kind of what kind of thought goes into Mary and my processes, uh, this episode is for you. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Logan Clements, and we are talking with you today about So You've Booked the Client. Now what? Okay, so our conversation starter for today is a very important one. Are you ready, Logan? Born ready. Okay. Do you believe in aliens? (laughs) Listeners, I'm not going to lie, I might have fallen out of my proverbial chair when I read this conversation starter (laughs) in our notes before we started. Um, Mary, I feel like that's a complex question. It is a complex question. You can get deep, as, as deep or alien level as you want in our conversation starter. <laughs> My rational brain, I always like, I, I talk about this sometimes. I have like, an, I have an emotional brain, I feel like, a part of my brain and like an, a rational part. And then we're like, rational part is like, no, Logan, there are no aliens. Aliens don't exist. Then the emotional part is like, what is the audacity of the human race to think we are alone in this world, in this universe, the in this galaxy? Like, mm-hmm. why, why are we the special ones? So- it's the push and the pull. So I don't feel like at the end of the day, I don't believe in aliens. But also, if aliens were discovered, I don't think I would be that shocked. Interesting. Mary, how about you? Do you believe in aliens? I am not like 100% yes or 100% no either. However, I think why not? There's so much that is unexplored in the universe that maybe there is another one of us out there and we don't know it. So maybe... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know, put it past the world. I mean, it's crazy. The universe. Why not? Exactly. And I feel like we would, as proper event professionals, just really pivot and learn how to put on the best conference that would help with alien human relations. <laughs> Extraterrestrial <laughs> conferences. Yeah, we'd, get, <laughs> we'd, yeah, we'd navigate the challenges of trying to execute events in space. Or maybe without oxygen for everyone, you know, it would just be a good goal. Wow. Okay. It would unlock a lot of like logistic. I mean, this is where my, again, rational brain then kicks in to answer emotional brain of, you know, well, now we got to figure out how to get it done. So good conversation starter, Mary. Listeners, let us know what you think, because (laughs) who doesn't love a random question about life? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you've booked your client. Now what we've, we've had other episodes where we've really talked about how to find new clients. We've talked a little bit about the proposal stage. And so this is kind of to dive in a little bit more into Marion, our process of like, what is our client experience? So what is it like if you book an event with Mary or I, 
you know, how do we go from there? Um, our episode about new clients was back in episode 14. We'll have that in the show notes for you. But let's just say, Mary, you get an email that your proposal has been approved. It's accepted. They're excited to work with you. They've signed the contract and locked in. What happens next for your process after you get booked? After I get booked, I do a little dance inside and I'm excited. And then I um, respond to them and I send my invoice and next steps. So to really lock in that date, you got to send in a 50% deposit. And so that's the the logical next step. Um, And then um, in that same email, typically I'll schedule a kickoff call. So it's like, all right, we'll get you sorted. Let's schedule a date that we can kick off. And here's my link to pay the invoice, kind of how it goes. What about you? How do you do it after you get booked? Yeah, I I do the invoice a little earlier than you do. I send contract and invoice together because While a con- signed contract, you know, you have an agreement between you. But in my contract, I also state that it's essentially the contract is, doesn't exist unless the invoice deposit has been paid. Um, mm-hmm. So I will, once I have a verbal confirmation or if I know they're just thinking, you know, they, they verbally said it in a call or maybe they have said it in writing, I send my contract and my invoice. And then usually in that same email, I will offer to set up a kickoff call. Or if maybe it's a new client, I want to make sure I have stuff signed and paid. I'll wait until that comes through. And then I will schedule a kickoff call. Uh, We've talked about this before. Like we don't love scheduling lots of meetings, but I think it's really important to have a call with the person who's hired me to just like reiterate Mm -hmm. everything we've talked about. Maybe ask if any updates have come through since I did the proposal process. Because sometimes that timeline can be a little long. Sometimes it's super short and you just need to hit the ground running. Um, But that for me is usually like what the client will experience is me setting up a kickoff call. And then internally I'll go through and start setting up. Like I do everything almost all things in Google Drive. So I'll start setting up like a client folder with, um, I now call them like workbooks, which has everything from my like client notes to the timeline, to my onsite for my schedule, uh, run a show, all of that lives in like one master Google sheet. So that's kind of the the first first step I would take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, I've, I've, throughout the couple years that I've been in business, I've been trying to figure out how to template things out um, to really streamline this process. And sometimes it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. We can put that in a template. And sometimes it's hard, but I like what you just said of it all being in a master sheet. I've tried to start using a workbook, um, which, you know, works pretty well, but that's more of like a throughout the the process thing. So I think that's an interesting point is like throughout your process, um, what, maybe we can answer this later or if it comes out naturally, but I'm curious, like, what do you keep internal versus mm. what let your clients see and use because I think that really also affects the client experience. Um, but maybe yeah. we'll, we'll get there. We should probably start like a little broader, which is um, how do you usually figure out the forms of communication with your clients? Like, do you just jump in and schedule meetings or at that time where you like, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm available between this time and this time and here are my boundaries. Like <laughs> how do you yeah. do that at the beginning? Yeah, that's it. Well, this is again to our point we've talked about like the beauty of having returning clients. So you already have that rapport. You kind of know the cadence of what uh, they might say they need and what they actually need. So that can help you with setting up those like boundaries. With new clients, it's always hard because I feel like what we do is so customized to the person. And a lot of, I guess I should have caveat at the beginning, a lot of this process I'm going to talk about is uh, experiences that I do when I am directly working with the client 
not working for an agency and being like subcontracted under because their processes are sometimes quite different. A lot of stuff overlaps, but little different. Um, so Mary, I feel like if there's any, I don't really have communication boundaries with with clients, which I feel like almost sounds like a really bad thing. It's more like I haven't had the issue in China. I had the issue when I worked in Shanghai. Everyone communicated on WeChat, which is like their form of WhatsApp. And so you were available almost all the time because it was the same app you used to talk to your friends that your clients could get a hold of you. So I was much more on and I haven't felt that way here since I moved back to the States in 2019. Like a lot of my clients do seem to respect like normal-ish working hours unless we're on site for an event or like in the event itself. So I haven't felt like I've had to set those, but I do from the jump I've learned now, I will start talking about my like out of office time in the proposal phase. So I will start to tell people, and I've, I did this when I just was off, you know, on vacation in March and April, I'd been telling clients back in December when I was writing proposals for them, or they were asking me if I was available. I was like very transparent that I was off. I was going to be completely offline this, these two weeks. And if that was an issue, like I wanted to address it then and not when we got to the event. Um, so I will sometimes lay out in my proposal exactly how many like official meetings are included in the sense of like rehearsals. Um, yeah, usually it's rehearsals, tech rehearsals, that kind of stuff. Or if they need me to be on specific weekly calls or something like that, I would I would have worded that in the proposal and then I would make sure that I was actually committing to those. But um feel like I haven't necessarily had to. A lot of folks I communicate via email, and this is stuff I would try to capture in the proposal process if they needed me to use a different email address or use Slack or something like that to like account for that time in my proposal. Yeah. But how about you, Mary? Like, does that align with what you do or what's your, how do you like communicate with your clients? Um, I think that pretty much aligns with what I do, but it's something that I'm very aware of. So I wanted to ask you that question. It's something that I'm continually trying to work on. So I don't know that I have an answer. Everybody says boundaries are important. And so I'm trying to trying to work on setting them mostly for my expectations. I found that when I do kind of set them at the beginning, then I, yeah, then I just don't have to feel bad because I'm a people pleaser. Okay. So I feel bad if I'm not pleasing people all the time. But if I can set that boundary, the expectation up front with the client, then that's a goal. But I guess actually one thing that I have just changed like last week in my um, contracts and agreements and the terms and conditions, there is a line that says like, it's more eloquent than this, but it's something like <laughs> we schedule meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday um, to make sure we save time for actually doing event work. Because I found myself in so many meetings that we couldn't execute on the work, which was a huge problem. And so trying to like stick to stricter meeting dates. Um, anyway, I guess continual learning process. We'll see. I don't have a great answer for that today. But, but I think it's important to think through the client experience because it really is about expectations. So I'm glad that you said that um, because that's, you know, communication skills, communicating expectations with clients is where you're going to have more success for sure. So great point. Couldn't agree more. Um so then, okay, so you've booked them, you've established, you know, if applicable, the communications that you're going to have with them and the next steps, the meetings. Um, what kind of meetings do you schedule first? Yeah, I mean, I think that kickoff call is a big one. Um, that is just, it usually involves the person who I've been talking to throughout the proposal process. And sometimes that's a group, several people. And a lot of times it'll be like the person who wants, who is hosting the event or they want 
the event to be put on. And then I get brought in to help with the production side or maybe full planning. But a lot of what I'm doing now is a lot more just the production. But yeah, the initial kickoff is usually just with the people who, who hired me. Um, and that'll be the like first milestone. And then in that meeting, I'll usually have, cause I'm a visual person. I will have either printed out or like have up on my computer, my proposal that laid out like how many rehearsals I was going to have or different things. And I might start to get a feel for when they would want to do those just so I can start to map that out on my calendar or hold the time and we can add the speakers later. Um, but just kind of like, and I would work backwards from the event date. So we, as we've talked about in this podcast, we all since COVID in 2020 have gotten better at doing things faster or we've just done things faster and that's how they're going to stay. And so I always will just work backwards. I found it's really hard to say, oh, I need you know this in two weeks, this in three. It's better to say, here's my event date. Three days before the event, I want to do a full dress rehearsal or, you know, shorter time. A week before the event, I want to do my tech rehearsal. A, you know, three days before that, I need the assets. I need the graphics, the videos, the audio, whatever you want me to play. And that I'll just kind of work backwards. Um, and so what I'll do is I usually create a timeline. And sometimes I share that with the client. Sometimes I don't like a work back schedule. Um, and I have a template I have I created on my retreat that I did with myself in December that is all tied to the dates that's like my kickoff date, my, uh, uh, what is it? My proposal date, my kickoff date, and then the event date. And then it will auto work backwards for me. And then I can just go in and adjust based on how much runway time I actually have. And sometimes I share that with the client. Sometimes it's more just keeping track of my own to-dos and things I need to do. So that's kind of the big one, I feel like. And that's client-facing meetings unrelated to the client. Sometimes if I have to have an event team of like multiple people I'm hiring to bring onto my team to do the event, I will also then be scheduling kickoff calls with those or at least confirmations of getting people onboarded for my team and then doing that, that like is a whole separate flow than what my client experiences. How about you, Mary? What do you, what key meetings do you hold? Yeah, this is once again, something I've been trying to template and I realize it's just hard to do because based on the groups, there's like, like you're saying, like there's key milestones, but the meeting cadence ends up being so different, especially if we're working with a committee versus like a couple people. Oh my gosh, it's just really different one event to the next. So I try to nail that down before I um, submit the proposal because it affects time. But yeah, it's definitely that kickoff meeting. And in that meeting, it's like all about the goals, like let's get aligned. And then just like, tell me what you're planning right now, what worked in the past and what didn't, just like information session. And then from there, I would say key meetings are like, um, making sure if there's a committee that there is an opportunity maybe in like at the second meeting for them to share specifically what they individually want to see from the event it's a little it's like part of the goal conversation but sometimes it takes more time depending on how many people you're working with i found that to be really beneficial lately is just like the first three meetings are really like less concrete details, more like we really need to make sure we're on board with what we're going to do moving forward types of planning sessions. That's worked for me lately. I don't know. It's just avoided, I feel like, some potential conflict and things like that. Like, So it takes some time, but I would say like when I start with clients, there's like three to five meetings that happen pretty soon after we get booked. And then it really like check in as needed is my preference. And then like a month and a half before the event, we'll talk more regularly, maybe weekly at that point. Um, but I I prefer to, to stay clear of that. We're going to meet every week throughout the entire process. So. 
talking through like event themes, identify like who you're going to invite some like really like audience based conversations, um, what kind of program that you want to have volunteers that you might need the guest experience, stuff like that. So I'll kind of break those up into different meetings. Once again, wish I had a template hasn't really worked out that way. But do we do what we can? Um, and so I would say like, I like what you said, working backward, Logan, something that I've been trying to do lately is actually get that um, post event debrief scheduled like soon. And that's because I've been booking like events back to back to a point where I like sometimes have a hard time debriefing another event, which is bad. And so that's been a learning experience is to try to get that on the calendar or set expectations, like you said, um, make sure we, we lock in that date for a debrief as well. So yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I think that's what I would add to it. Um, and then when you're meeting with people, Logan, what kind of people or groups are you meeting with? Like we're talking about client experience. Who are they? Like, who are you typically working with and what size? Yeah, it's usually like the, for a lot of what I'm doing, it's less com less committees. I've done, I make some of my nonprofit events. I know that's a little bit more familiar to have like a, a group that you're meeting with. Um, for me, it's mainly just like, and that's such a broad term, but like key stakeholders. So that could be just the person who hired me and I'm just, you know, their buddy and making sure that we're reviewing their run of show. I'm keeping them on track with deadlines and tasks and I think, or questions we need to ask and, and scenarios we need to think through before the event. Um, but it could be larger. It could be meeting with, um, I'm the production person and I, you know, will also need to be on a call. The client needs to be efficient with their time. And so it's like me plus their creative people, their designers who are helping with things and maybe their speakers are even on the call or they're the assistant to the speakers. And I'm just on the line to be able to help answer questions about production from this one lens, but I'm going to be on a larger call with other people. Um, so that's there, but I, I like to do the smaller ones. So it's a lot of me. I'm with you, Mary, of like, I don't like meetings for the sake of meetings, but as like a tip to listeners, I do try to get an inkling because some people just love calls. Some people just love them. And that's just their workflow. That's how they get things done. And I have a couple of clients every year now that I've learned. I learned the hard way, luckily in a scope that was by on real based on real hours, like actual hours worked. So I was paid for all the hours, the meetings I did. And I learned that lesson moving forward in terms of just how much other work I take on. But this is something that like I always try to hone in on the proposal period, exactly how much pre-work people need for my role, my scope for that event, because it can easily get overwhelming. If you have too many of those clients who love calls, like Mary said, you're going to be stuck having no time to do the work. But if you have a couple clients, like I think I've standardized some of my client experience for doing like the production for your one day event. And whether it's virtual, hybrid, or in person, I kind of cookie cutter know exactly how it's going to run and that I might need maybe, you know, 15, 20 hours of pre-work to execute this for you. And so that's usually going to include a kickoff call on the kickoff call. I'll check with you and say, Hey, do you want to do a weekly check-in or a bi-weekly check-in? And we do more of them as we get closer. Or what's your work? You know, how do you like to work? Um, and then I've just gotten more protective of my people. So my event team that I bring on, I try to limit the number of calls they need to be on in that event, in that experience, unless it seems it's like crucial to the betterment of the show that I need to bring them on client calls, I will often be the only person from my team on client calls um, and meetings and things like that just to streamline it. Um, but I think it's, the groups really vary. I guess that's like, it's such a long-winded answer to that question, Mary, but it does, it really does vary. I've just, over the years, I've been more, pro I've been more protective of who I'm asking to be on the call. And then I leave it up to the client they can invite 15 people on the call. They could have one person. That doesn't matter so much to me, but I've been more intentional with who I bring on. 
Yeah, no, I like I totally agree. And it's yeah, I do a lot more work with committees. And so it's it is hard to say. But like I say, every month's different from the next. It's like one as a committee of like 15 people, which I do not recommend. The top number I recommend is six people involved in planning an event because there's too many opinions. Um, but then sometimes it's like two people or it's one person or they really like it's just oh, so different. So, yep, absolutely nailing that down in the proposal process. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good point. It's like we're talking about client experience. And I think there's ways that you can streamline the client experience. But a lot of it is like customized. I'd love to hear from people. Send us an email if you're like one of those event people or companies who've really like streamlined that process. Because I know that there are folks who have and that's just part of their organization and mission for me. I choose to customize things. I want to customize things. I think that's a benefit um, to clients or potential clients. And so because of that, sometimes it's not cookie cutter, but, you know, pros and cons. And moving on to our next question, um, what expectations, we kind of talked about expectations, but what expectations do you set with clients, Logan, on how they can reach you and how fast they can expect a response throughout the process? Is there anything else that you'd want to add to that question? I I'd like to just at least say I do feel like I have boundaries, but I can't think of one right now when it comes to mind. I know you have boundaries. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But I feel like a newer thing I guess I've developed in the last year and a half that I think I was scared when I first started my business to admit open, openly kind of in the form of like an out-of-office message that I was on site for an event or working a different event and that email then that out-of-office would, you know, go to my – go to a different client. I think I would hide – not hide, but I would just try to not be as – obvious about it so that they wouldn't think I was worried that they would think less of me that I'd be able to help them less because I'm helping this other person. And I've just come to this realization that like mm -hmm. everybody wants you when you're at the idea is when I'm at your event, I'm a hundred percent focused on your event. And mm -hmm. so that's the client experience I'm giving you. So if you see me doing that to somebody else a week, a month before your event, like You'll that shouldn't be thing. a bad thing. Cause again, I yeah. ideally I've gotten ahead of it. I've let you know. And so that's something I now do is I'll set out of office messages either explicitly saying I'm out of the office working this event, I'll get back to you when I return to my office, quote unquote, like I'm back online X date. Or my favorite one has just been delayed response. So just saying I'm away from my computer for most of the day, please, you know, expect a delayed response. So usually like it'll take me a day or two to get back to them versus a same day response. And that's one that I'm really happy I've started doing. And I've actually, if it's like a public event that people can know about, um, I will like link to that event usually in the auto office message. And that's just been a fun, like when I work tennis events, a lot of my sporting events, people find kind of cool. Um, and it turns into like a conversation starter when people mm. email me. Um, but yeah, I try to, that's the big one. And then on site when I'm working the event, I'm very explicit of how to reach me in the sense of like, it's usually going to be by text or phone. I will explicitly tell the client I am not in my inbox Cause a number mm -hmm. of people who are like, I sent you an email and I'm like, I'm running around in a ballroom. Why would I, you know, have my email open yeah. um, just to make it really explicit. But, um, I haven't had any problems with folks recently, um, abusing any of that, but I, I have definitely experienced it in the past. So I feel like, again, like we talk about everything so customized, but, um, just I, like my biggest thing is you can make a really good impression on people if you just do what you said you were going to do. So if you said you were going to set weekly meetings, you better be setting those weekly meetings. Mm -hmm. If you said you were going to do a 24-hour response time to things, you better be doing the 24-hour response. Like you can do things faster, but like whatever expectation you set, just make sure that's what you're hitting and you'll impress people. And it's up to you of like based on your workload of what you're willing to commit to. But Mary, how about you? Like how do you set expectations with your clients? 
once again, continual learning process. I'm trying to figure it out. But I, for what you just said, like for that reason, I think, and I think it's like good to be clear with yourself about what you can actually do because <clears throat> I, I purposely don't usually give people deadlines anymore as of recently. I mean, I don't say I'm going to have it by end of day Friday because I have a hard time keeping deadlines lately because it's just so crazy. I think events can be like that a lot. And so um, for me, it's like almost better like not to say that. But uh, what I have tried to do in return is like respond to their email really soon after they send it and say like, I've received it. I'll respond to you shortly, like to at least hold it. I think people really want clients want to know. Um, that you hear them, you know, or that you're at least receiving their messages, I think that they can, they can wait. And, I, and something that like, really helps me from an internal perspective, not necessarily like sharing this with clients, but like events, we, we are not saving lives. Most things are not emergencies. And I think if you plan the event that way, that is the expectation that they will get used to, like, like start doing that however you want to do it at the beginning and then just kind of like hold to it or stick to it. And of course, like there's going to be um, instances where you do need to respond. You do need to do things immediately. There are semi-emergencies or things that need to be resolved quickly. But for the most part, I think if we like stay true to what our, our boundary or expectation is and don't bend to it, um, people will understand that that is your boundary. And once again, this is really hard for me because I'm a people pleaser. So <laughs> it's, it, it evolves. It does. Yeah. And it's, it's also speaks to the type of events that we do, you know, and, and because that's what some, some events that I do for sports are truly or almost truly like in person, uh, like on site only. You're doing right. very minimal prep work, but you're showing up and you're, you are a hundred percent on. There's no way you're checking email and looking at anything else. You are a hundred percent in this event while you're here yeah. is very different than, um, maybe another event that you're involved with the full pre-planning weeks, months, whatever it is into the execution. And then when you're on site, you probably have to be at a desk or at a, with your laptop out. Cause you're going to get pinged by so many different things. Like, so yeah. this client experience can be so different for any of them. And I, I do want to call it to listeners. If you want a good example of some of these boundaries, uh, I do think like the wedding industry is one, especially wedding planners. I feel like, uh, those that are, I feel like seasoned and find boundaries very important, are very specific in their proposals and packages with exactly how many interactions you get, how many calls and meetings you get, how many, when you're able to text and there's like different packages that include different amounts of communication with them. And that is something I always find really interesting. It's not saying you can't do it. Um, I just find it more common in the event industry um, or in the wedding industry and in events also on the agency side of things. So working for mm -hmm. a larger production management company, they often will do their proposals or their their budgets are going to be based on like a bucket of hours of time. And that is where a lot of agencies can make more of their money is going to be on the labor, on your time versus like physical goods at an event. And so they're almost incentivized to have these bigger buckets of time because also then a lot of clients love lots of calls who work with these larger agencies. There's a lot more stakeholders to line up. You can't just have one call with everyone on it once a week. You might have to have five calls with them. Like, so what we're talking about, I feel like just really varies depending on who you're working with. And it's also your own personal preference. Like you might be resonating with what Mary's saying. Cause you're like, yeah, I also, you know, people please and have this hard time with like response at times and, you know, setting those expectations, but it's also okay if you're sitting here and you're like, not sure. And it's okay if it changes. And that's kind of the beauty. Yeah. I love what you and I do, Mary. Cause I feel like it is like, we get to speed date <laughs> these but, different yeah, styles and then be like, yeah. that's <laughs> not what I like. I mean, my whole question about, uh, time-based or task-based 
projects comes out of a project I did last year. That was a struggle for me because I'd gone into it being like so much of my work that I do is task-based is just, Hey, it needs to get done by Friday and Mm -hmm. getting put in a role that was time-based. I was like, Oh, I, I don't love that. But I also know we have people in the, that we know who might love structure and know, Hey, I want to be online from 9am to 2pm every day for this one client. And then after that, I have time to work on my other stuff. Like it's just so different. Totally. Yeah. I think if you are listening to this and can just pick out like the, like Logan is saying the points that resonate with you or that apply to you and note that it might change. I think the consistent things that we're saying is, is consistency with your clients is expectations is setting boundaries and just finding out what works. So hopefully our insights are helpful to you and you can decide what works for you and your process. Um, but also as we're talking through this, um, once an event's over, you know, when everything is said and done, what do you hope that the clients will say that their experience was working with you? That's a weird question, Ooh. but like, this is like our question um, that we had on episode 100. Like, what legacy do you want? What's your legacy with client experience? Yeah. What do you want them to say? I mean, I, I want them to be like overly enthusiastic about how much fun they had working with me or what a joy it was to work with me. And a lot of that will come because I want them to feel taken care of and heard and listened to and not doted on, but just knowing that they could rely on me to do what I said I was going to do. And hopefully I went above and beyond their expectations. That's amazing. We love that. Um, But I, I want them to feel like the rock stars they are, no matter if they were a smaller event for me or if they were a really large event for me. Like that is my goal is to have the same client experience across the board no matter the budget or the size of the client or the professionalism of them or anything. Like I want everyone to be coming out with such a positive experience. Um, but then also respect, like respectful of me and my expertise. So it's not saying bend to the whim of every client just to make them happy. It's like know your worth and know your value in these conversations and know your experience also speaks for you. And when you're having those boundary conversations, like telling a client no will not make them then at the end of the experience say that they had a bad time with you. It won't, or it shouldn't if it's the right fit client. Yeah, exactly. They're not the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. If that does, like that shouldn't, you know, they might, and that's not saying all my events are perfect. Things will happen in the events. But again, part of my client experience is we have a conversation about backup plans. I talk about them. I say, let's think through all the things that could go wrong. Not because we're going to manifest and make it happen, but because by us talking about it, we're going to be so much more prepared if it happens than if right. we avoid it because we're worried we're going to make something happen. And now all of a sudden something happens and we're all like, well, we, we didn't want to talk about it. So what do we do? You know, that's where a lot of times I can get at the end of it. They're going to say their experience was positive one because my favorite, you, you talk about what you like to say all the time. And I feel like I'm a broken record because I say it now to clients and almost all my clients is all I can promise is your event's going to happen. And know and trust that you have the right people in the right roles that are going to react to whatever comes our way when we're in an event. Because Mm -hmm. events would be boring if everything went according to planned. But there's also a level of security I want to provide clients with them knowing that we brought in the best people or we've talked through all the scenarios that we need to and we have the systems in place to react to it. I like that a lot. And you've said it before. So it sounds familiar to me, but I'm writing it down. <laughs> I think that's a great, great phrase. And that's like, um, I guess like my response to this question is like, what would I want a client to say about me with what their client experience was? Is like, um, 
I, I guess I really resonate with the phrase calm is contagious. I, I want to be a calm event planner, event producer. Um, sometimes perhaps it's too calm. I don't know. But but I work with a lot of personalities that are strong and worrisome and <laughs> all things. And that's okay. Um, but it, then that's where it's my job to make sure that they do feel like they're taken care of. So I like what you just said, Logan. I think that's a, a great phrase. Um, and so I guess I would want clients just to say that um, it was working with me was um, a calm process. It wasn't there wasn't hopefully I would take the stress out of it for them and exude calm in a way where they felt like you know, things are going to be okay. Whatever you summarize that to be, that's what I would want um, them to say about working with me. And so, you know, hopefully they think that. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's the goal. Amazing. I feel like we'll have to do another episode more diving into some of these aspects of the client experience. But hopefully listeners, I gave you a little bit more of an insight into what Mary and I do after we've booked the client. You know, now what? Here's our process. Uh, and you know, you're going to go out and just continue to book more clients that you love, or if you don't need more clients and just want more, you know, specialized clients, we're, we're sending you all that good juju. But with that, it brings us to our bonus tip, which Mary, you have our bonus tip this week. I do. So for our bonus tip today, um, this actually is ironically aligned. I put this bonus tip in, I think before the, the flow that we thought about. So here we go. This is on par today. Our bonus tip is to encourage clients to keep deadlines. So what I mean by that is um, what I like to say is that if a deadline is not like respected or followed, that it just increases the room for error. Deadlines are there for a reason. And sometimes we will do our absolute best as event professionals to make sure we do what needs to happen, have a great event, but we're also not magicians. There's deadlines for a reason. And so that is my deadline or that is my bonus tip for today is to encourage clients to keep deadlines. Thank you, Mary. Yes. We love the power of a deadline, the, tri the triple, the trickle down effect of what happens if you miss a deadline, but listeners, that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and LinkedIn at better events pod. You can send us an email at better events pod at gmail.com. You can connect with Mary or I directly on LinkedIn at Mary Davidson or Logan Clements. We love hearing from you. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday.